the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am both a master of the laws of taxation law and a master of the laws of intellectual property law. And because of my education, my training, my experiences, my life's observations, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the creation, preservation, and transfer of wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. I do so, I tease, I say it's about the money, 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 (laughs) but it's also about the fact that just about every kind of law can and does intersect with bankruptcy law. Breach of contracts, employment law, uh, debtor-creditor relationships, sometimes marital relationships end up in bankruptcy court, sometimes probate matters end up in bankruptcy court, but always real estate and quite frequently taxation law. So that's why I practice it. Bankruptcy law, that is. But I also practice some related fields and my overall consumer and small business financial practice, including debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now, with these areas of law as my reference points, that is to say, as they relate to the personal, familial, community, and small business aspects of finance, I've spent the greater part of the last nearly 40 years, both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and people and communities of color, including indigenous communities. And because I grew up as a military brat, and I am still one at my seasoned age, and I helped create another military brat with my former spouse who has retired from the military. Congratulations to you. I have firsthand knowledge of just how hard it can be sometimes financially and economically for our citizens, soldiers, sailors, airmen, and women, and Marines, and their families in our sometimes less than patriotic, capital-based economic system especially after these individuals and their families separate from the service. As such, I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military. 
And as I love to remind you all, I had the great fortune to both know and spend a lot of time with and actually become great friends with both my maternal and paternal grandmothers, both of whom survived the four great economic challenges of the 20th century. That is to say, the Great Depression, the privations of World War II, and the systemic racism and misogyny that unfortunately continues through into our society today. And as these women helped raise me and they always loved me and they shared with me great stories of their grandparents who loved and raised them in the post-Reconstruction Jim Crow South, it is out of my great love and respect for these women who are always with me along with my dad in spirit, urging me on to do the right thing, that when the situation is right, I am sometimes able to at least attempt to right attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors and the disabled who find themselves the targets of and unfortunately more and more the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of adult and elder financial abuse that you could imagine that's running rampant in our society today. So the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more probably than not these days, the lack thereof, or at least an insignificant amount thereof, and your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect or reclaim or rehabilitate your or your family's or your business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening education form. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an overall outline of some of the key key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help. I sincerely believe you need if you're having a legal issue that intersects with your finances or your assets or your debt. So today, because inquiring minds really need to know, we're going to begin a discussion on what we all need to know about our banking and other depository financial institutions, how they work, and how they are regulated and supervised so that we can obtain a knowledge base that is sufficient enough to not only protect our own liquid assets deposited into these institutions where they turn around and use them to make a profit and just as importantly help us gain the knowledge and wisdom we need to be able to not only be able to distinguish between politicians or political candidates and be able to vote for only those politicians who care about and spend more time researching and implementing laws and performing the necessary oversight of the executive branch and independent agency heads that are focused on assuring the safety and soundness of our money and not their need, these politicians need to spread their horse manure that's focused on non-existent anti-woke and critical race theory based culture wars that keep we the people apart 
or at each other's throat, while they, the politician, these inane and unscrupulous politicians, some of them, take big money from lobbyists to promote the business interests that want to weaken the necessary oversight. Now, let's look at an example that's front and center in the news today. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, which is just down the road a bit from me in Santa Clara, California. Just about a week ago, Silicon Valley Bank, which was founded in 1983, was believed to be a well-capitalized regional bank serving the high technology community both here and abroad. For example, just a few weeks ago, most Wall Street analysts had given its stock a very positive rating with a consensus target price of $337.71 per share. And Forbes had just added Silicon Valley Bank to its financial all-stars list on February 9, 2023. And you can go and see for yourself at www.forbes.com forward slash list forward slash financial dash all dash stars. However, on its last day, right before it shut was shut down and taken over by its regulators, its stock had declined more than 60% in a single day down to $106 per share. And because of its years of assisting both venture capitalists and venture capital-based technology companies get properly launched, including some run by women and people of color, the local community on the whole believed it to be a great place to have a banking relationship if you were in the technology sector, either as a venture capitalist, a fund manager, or if you had a high-tech startup. In fact, it was the over-concentration of one type of banking customer as both its source of funds from its depositors, as well as its uses of funds to make personal and business loans back into that same set of entrepreneurial businesses, that was a problem. This because banks, like any other business, must diversify both its sources and uses of funds if it wants to survive and thrive for the long term. Now, it is my understanding that, for example, in order to have access to the bank's customer lending facilities to, say, uh, acquire a mortgage to purchase or refinance your home, its customers had to have an exclusive relationship with the bank, meaning that all the business customers' business accounts and personal accounts had to be lodged with Silicon Valley Bank even if those accounts were in excess of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation's limits of $250,000 per individual account and or $500,000 per a joint account. And it's also my understanding that many of Silicon Valley Bank's account holders had combined funds, in some instances, far in excess of multiple millions of dollars. Now, while the concentration of the account holders may have laid the predicate, it is also true 
and it can be objectively sustained, that marketplace timing and market conditions played a more substantial role in Silicon Valley Bank's demise. So when we come back, I'll explain myself and tell you what I mean. But first, we're going to take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion on what we need to know about our banking and other depository financial institutions, how they work and how they are regulated and supervised so that we can obtain the knowledge base that is sufficient enough to not only protect our own liquid assets deposited into and used by these financial institutions to make a profit, but just as importantly, gain the knowledge and wisdom we need to be able to not only distinguish between the political candidates that are in Congress that are responsible for regulating, setting up the rules to regulate these banks, and also our um, members here in our California legislature or wherever your legislature happens to be. If we have a knowledge base, then we'll be able to make wise decisions about who we should vote and put into office to pay, play these key, crucial roles of providing for the safety and soundness of our money that we put into these financial institutions and not allow them to waste our time and our money on their narcissistic need to spread their homemade horse manure and focus on non-existent anti-woke and critical race theory based culture wars while we the people are kept apart and they these incompetent and unscrupulous politicians and they know who they are spend our tax dollars laying the foundation for them to be able to take the really big money from the lobbyists representing the big interests that want to weaken this oversight process and put us, our financial system, and therefore us as individuals who contribute to it at great risk. Now, before the big, I made the statement that the timing and market conditions, in addition to SVC's concentration of a certain type of consumer uh, and, and lending base, played an even more substantial role in Silicon Valley Bank's demise. So what exactly do I mean? To help ourselves understand what happened to Silicon Valley Bank, we mere mortals must also have a good understanding of the relationship between inflation, interest rates, and bond yields, as well as the structure of the balance sheets of banks in general and Silicon Valley Bank in particular which was heavily invested in and funded by startups. We have to have this understanding so we can wrap our head around the situation. Now, in an opinion piece that was written by Matt Levine entitled, Startup Banks Had a Startup Bank Run. One problem for Silicon Valley Bank is that its customers had too much cash 
and now they don't have any. And it was published in Bloomberg, which is located at Bloomberg.com on March 10, 2023. Mr. Levine writes about the combustive forces of interest rate exposure and over-concentration of startups as customers when he says, but there's another subtler, more dangerous exposure to interest rates. You are a bank of startups and startups are a low interest rate phenomenon. When interest rates are low everywhere, a dollar in 20 years is as good as a dollar is today. So startups whose business model is will lose money for a decade before building artificial intelligence and then rake in lots of money in the far future. So that sounds like a pretty good business model. When interest rates are higher, a dollar is better. A dollar today is better than a dollar worth tomorrow. So investors want cash flow. When interest rates are low for a very long time and suddenly become high, all the money that was rushing into your customers is suddenly cut off. Your customers who are obtaining liquidity through liquidity events such as initial public offerings, secondary offerings, uh, special purpose acquisition companies, fundraising, venture capital investment, acquisitions, and other fundraising activities, stop doing that. Your customers keep taking money out of the bank to pay the rents and the salaries but they stop depositing any new money. So why is this important? During this time of low and no interest rate, Silicon Valley Bank received billions of dollars from its investor-backed high-tech entrepreneurial clients. In one year alone, their deposits increased 100%. Silicon Valley Bank then took those depositors funds and invested them in long term to those bonds till their maturity two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now. As a result, this created a dangerous trap as the bank expected rates to remain low. That was poor planning. Inasmuch as SVB invested its bonds at the top of the market at their highest prices, As interest rates went higher due to the Fed's intervention to reduce inflation, the price or economic value of these bonds declined. As a result, SVB started taking major unrealized losses on its long-term bond holdings. So when it reported its fourth quarter earnings on January 19 of this year, 2023, Moody's Investment Service, a credit agency agency, took notice. And early in March, Moody's downgraded SVC's bank holdings. Then on Wednesday, March 8th, in advance of Moody's expected downgrade of the stock, SVC surprised the whole investment community with the news that it needed to raise $2 billion to shore up its balance sheet to compensate for these unrealized losses that it had to report. The proverbial 
horse manure hit the fan. Then things went from bad to worse when prominent venture capitalists with significant exposure in the bank began to not so quietly start removing their funds. It has been widely reported that the influence of these funds is believed to have added the fuel to the fire and a bank run ensued. Also influencing the decision-making was the fact that SVB had the highest percentage of uninsured domestic deposits of all the big banks. These totaled nearly $152 billion, or about 97% of all the bank's deposits. And this according to an article written by Dorothy Newfill entitled Timeline, The Shocking Collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, which was published on March 12, 2023 on the financial news platform Visual Capitalists, which is located at visualcapitalist.com. And yesterday, March 17th, as reported in Reuters and other uh, uh, news publications, uh, by on an article written by Menez Jimenez, entitled SVC Bank Seeks Bankruptcy Protection as the bankruptcy turmoil in their banks persist. So yesterday on the 17th, the holding company of the bank filed for bankruptcy. And according to this article, SVB Financial Group on said on Friday it filed for a court-supervised reorganization under Chapter 11 of the Bankruptcy Code, seeking protection to allow it to seek buyers of its assets days after its former unit, Silicon Valley Bank, was taken over by its regulators. The move to commence bankruptcy proceedings came as an emergency measure to shore up confidence uh, that they have not been able to dispel Financial stocks have lost over billions of dollars since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank last week, while credit stress has worsened for Wall Street's biggest banks. It is impossible to know if there are another shoe to drop, but I think a good majority of the negative news is out there. And this is according to Art Hogan, who's the chief market strategist at B. Riley Wealth Management. As a state chartered bank, California regulator shut down Silicon Valley Bank last Friday, March 10th, and appointed the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC, as its receiver, making it the largest banking collapse since Washington Mutual went bust uh, back in 2008. So Silicon Valley Bank was forced to sell its portfolio of treasuries and market-backed securities to Goldman Sachs at a $1.8 billion loss. To plug the hole, the bank attempted to raise that $2 billion that I talked of earlier. And when that got out, it lost, the bank lost $42 billion in deposits in a single day. Earlier this week, the company said it was planning to explore strategic alternatives for its holding company, which is why it filed for bankruptcy. Okay, so uh, I looked up the case and it is denominated as 
they filed bankruptcy in the Southern District of, of New York. The case is de- denominated as SVB Bank, and it's case number 23-10367. And again, it was filed in the United States Bankruptcy Court for the Southern District of New York with Chief Judge Martin Glenn presiding. So when we get together the next time, we'll talk more about what we can do to make sure that our investments, our deposits in banks are safe. Uh, But we're going to leave it there for now. But as always, in closing here at Selwyn's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law, including knowing about laws and regulations that are implemented to help our government safeguard our hard-earned dollars when we deposit them in federal or state-regulated banks. So bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.